Can you imagine fighting cancer five separate times? How do you continue to have faith in the face of these repeated attacks, Percy? Well, some people beat cancer only to have it attack again in another way, Wayne. Cancer is a battle that we fight, obviously physically, but as equally important, there is a mental, emotional, and spiritual battle that must be fought as well. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we need to be encouraged that hope and faith are two important resources available to us, as described in the Word of God, that can assist us in our times of trouble. On this podcast, we talk with Peggy Rupel, a five-time cancer survivor who gives God the glory for her cancer and her healing. Get ready to be inspired. The following program is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. The information discussed during this program is not medical advice. Be sure to talk to your medical doctor for information and advice relating to your health. Our host is Reverend Percy McRae, Director of Faith-Based Programs at Cancer Treatment Centers of America. And I'm Wayne Shepherd. I survived cancer five times. We're going to hear that powerful testimony today. Is this normal, Percy? Well, I tell you, it may not necessarily be normal, but I think it's becoming more of an occurrence because actually people are surviving today with cancer more so than any time ever before. But the dynamic here is on five separate occasions, this particular person battled and fought back and battled and fought back. So we're going to talk about the power of what allowed this individual to continue to keep returning back after each occurrence. And that is going to really help someone. Today. All right. You'll meet Peggy here in just a moment. We have a question of the week. The question this week that we'd like you to answer and reply to is what was something you learned during your cancer journey? What was a lesson you learned during your cancer journey? You can take that any way you want, but we'd we'd love to hear from listeners, Percy. Absolutely. Again, your feedback is precious to us. It helps feed ideas and concepts for shows. But again, what was something you learned, uh, an aha moment, a moment of epiphany, a revelation uh, during your cancer journey that you would be willing to share? And we'll uh, try to read some of those responses in some of our other shows later on down the line. And you can leave your direct response at healthhopeinspiration.com. What was something you learned during your cancer journey? When you go to that website, also download our free resource, Cancer Ministry Scriptures. You're going to hear a lot of scripture in the program here today, mm-hmm. but we want you to have this uh, this list that, Percy, you've, you've authored this. You've put this together for us. And it's a compilation of scriptures basically designed under certain topics that will kind of help give people uh, different uh, elements and areas to focus on and then find scriptures that support those schools of thought relative to a cancer journey, uh, someone that is supporting people with cancer. Again, all topically outlined under certain subjects that will be very beneficial where you won't have to hunt and peck for those certain scriptures. All right. That's found at healthhopeandinspiration.com, Cancer Ministry Scriptures. Speaking of scriptures, why don't you open them for us right now? Yes, sir. Our foundational spiritual nugget for today is 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter, verse 12, and it reads as follows. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. This scripture will make more sense after we listen to today's conversation with regard to what we see only today is not all that there is to understand and to know about what God will reveal to us later on. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America, a comprehensive cancer care network. They treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. 
With hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa, they take an integrative approach to cancer care. They use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America, or contact one of their friendly oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options by simply calling 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Well, as we said at the beginning, she survived cancer five times. Let's meet her now. Here's our host, Percy McRae, with today's guest. I'm coming to you today from the National Religious Broadcasting Conference in Anaheim, California, and I am excited to have with me today Peggy Rupel, who is a five-time, yes, five-time cancer survivor. She is here to tell her story today. Welcome to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Uh, thank you. I'm really looking forward to talking to you. Well, as we have had some pre-discussion, as I often do uh, before I actually start recording, uh, you have a fascinating story. And, and that's really the point of Health, Hope, and Inspiration is that we bring real organic stories. They have not been scripted in any way. Mm-hmm. I haven't told you what to say. Uh, your story, uh, as is the case for so many who have battled with cancer, uh, has its own unique um, uh, dynamics to it, and obviously you're a strong woman of faith and so on and so forth. But before we get into your story, let's get into your background a little bit. Uh, you, are the, you are the Associate Director of Wind Rider uh, Film Forum at Sundance. Let's talk a little bit about the work that you do. Um, I get to work with uh, young storytellers, you know, a grad, undergrad, even some seminary students. We shape this uh, three-unit intensive, it's really an immersive experience, into the world of independent filmmaking. And uh, these are Christian students. These are from universities all over the country. Uh, last year was our 15th year, and we had 22 universities represented from the best of the best. And they come and uh, really unpack um, the art of storytelling and connecting with stories. At a Sundance, you're going to get independent filmmaking, which are um, all their passion projects. So, um, the and the documentaries themselves, uh, they'll wreck you. They'll send you on a journey. And uh, to really learn from these storytellers and uh, really to find the hidden deeper meanings in some of these and inform them so they can go out and really a apologetic response to these films. If the world is talking unabashedly, groping for truth and forgiveness and want to know about marriage, how much more we are bearers of the truth can shape that narrative. And uh, really with the, the power being into the subtext, how can that inform our art? In so you're you're in the film business, basically, mm-hmm. and again, you've been doing that for a long time, and in the, the midst of all of that, because there, your, your life also took another little interesting turn uh, after you were um, uh, through one of your diagnoses of cancer, and we'll talk about that at another point at another time. Uh, you're diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. uh, and as I often ask on the show, uh, where were you, what were you thinking and feeling, and what was your initial response mm-hmm. uh, to being told that you had cancer? Yeah. 
I remember, well, I went three years undiagnosed with these episodes. And uh, and when, when you have a cancer that hides in the mesentery area back in the 90, early 90s, they didn't have PET scans, so CAT scans didn't show anything. So it wasn't until such time as I had to have emergency surgery. Um, and, uh, and I think I woke up and, and I remember when my husband told me it was cancer. And my first words were, praise the Lord, it has a name. And I'm sure people can relate to that because sometimes you just want to know what you're dealing with because it had been, you know, a, a, a long road with these, these episodes. So there I was. And with my when it was evening and my husband was gone and my mom was gone and I was sitting with God over this, there was such, um, you know, my heart was heavy for this uncertain future that I couldn't see. It was, I, I couldn't see it. It wasn't knowable. And I had a 10-year-old son, a 12-year-old son, and then a 6-year-old daughter. Wow. And I, you know, the, the heartache is not being able to see yourself possibly in their future. Yeah, yeah. So I had to stop and take a deep breath and what is knowable and that's the one the god who knows my future yeah. he is knowable my where i'm at right now is such uncertainty mm. so i remember um pressing into that and asking god um what he had for me in store what uh, i wasn't so stuck on the wise because i knew the cross said everything about his love for me so i sometimes people choke with the why me's yes. For me in that moment, honestly, that it wasn't the why me so much, but what a scripture that came to my mind was um, in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. It says that we, we see through a glass darkly yes. or, or like a mirror dimly. Right. You know, you're kind of groping for what am I looking at? But it says, but then we'll see face to face. There'll come a time when, when there's going to be nothing between us and God. And then it says, but now we see in part, but then we'll see. We'll be known as we are known. And I felt like God was telling me, don't misinterpret what I'm doing by what little you see. Mm. That there was... um that, that, that there was actually a remedy he gave me, a sweet, kind thing, because I did ask God how to pray. I want to partner with him in whatever this is, is he is doing in my life. Right. Because regardless of what's involved, whether it's the fallen world we're in, or the polluted air we breathe, a battle against the enemy, whatever it is, God is in control of everything. His sovereignty is over it. So I was... Literally, in these moments, you're trying to own your theology. I mean, you're just grappling with what do I know to be true? And that's what he kept saying. You tell me, what do you know to be true? And just kind of gutturally, I just said three things that came to mind. That you love me, you will never leave me, and you work all things together for the good. And so with that, with, and there are several things that I heard there. First of all, and you're right, most cancer patients, and I've dealt with many of them over many, many years, mm-hmm. uh, get choked. And I like the way that, you, that expression, get choked on the why me. Yes. That was, that's not part of your story. You didn't get hung up there. That didn't throw you a curve. Uh, you were able to, by the grace of God, you know, just go go by that. And so many people who are initially diagnosed with cancer get stuck right there. And it takes them a minute to get past that that, that bump in the road. Yes. You're in the midst of this great career, this great film career with independent uh, movies and students and, and people expressing their, themselves through art and talking about the grace of God, the love of God, the faith of God, and etc. And I would imagine, you know, you're, you're rolling along and then boom, yes. you're told that you have cancer. Yes. Uh, let's talk about what types of cancer, because because again, five times you've mm-hmm. been diagnosed. Yes. What types of cancer were you dealing with and have you dealt with? 
Um, it's all been the same, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Ah. I'm now considered stage four, um, and uh, and I can tell you, um, while I didn't choke on it initially, you you with every bout, there's a pill to swallow, and actually sometimes even harder when it comes back. Okay. I can remember being diagnosed and on the when it had it return. And I remember driving home with my husband from the hospital, looking out the window, and it was a surreal experience as I'm and also I look at my husband, I say, let's not tell anybody. Hmm. All of these people that prayed for me. And I don't want to be a stumbling block to their faith. So you you say, let's not tell anybody why, because this is a really big point. We talk about it a lot on the show because there's this wall of silence that happens with the conversation of cancer Mm -hmm. for several different reasons. I'm curious to hear why initially you felt that way. Exactly. And and my husband was patient. He just looked at me while the tears were streaming down my face, just patted me because he knew it would come. And he just, just let me feel it for a moment. I look out the window and I turn back to him. I said, wouldn't the enemy love that? When, now when I need God's people more than ever, that I would not, this, this resource to go to battle for me, to cover with me, you know, I, I, God can handle his own reputation. <laughs> and we just said, that's it. No. And he just big smiles. And he's, by that time, he's got tears rolling down his face and we, and we made a decision. No, we're not going to, we're not going to isolate because that's what the enemy does. And let me tell you why that's important. When I go back to my first visit, my first uh Uh, bout with it and in that bed and after those three things God told me the Lord spoke to my heart about something else because I did ask him how do I go about praying for this and and the kind thing God gave me insight into is that the enemy was not after my life scripture says for me to live is Christ to die is gain but he was after my joy Ah. because if the fear of of a lie of those three things I am alone. I am not loved. And there isn't purpose to this. Yeah. That fear can undermine this redemptive story. You talk about story. I love story, yeah, right? right? That God could tell with my life. And so I I had a decision to make, a choice to make, that I was not going. And when I say guard my joy, that because that was my to-do from God, guard your joy. That doesn't mean Pollyanna euphoric. Right, right. That means letting those three things be the anchor. And so that I would silence the voice, begin to silence that voice of fear, and then begin to amplify the voice of truth. And that in that place of truth, he would be my constant, even in all this uncertainty, that he would meet me there, that hard place that your listeners know about, that place of that desperate place. But in that place is, I always say he's a place of miracles because he is a, you find that he is a very present help in time of trouble. That's just an, un- an unbelievable um, uh, gymnastics of navigation, of working through the mental, emotional, and then spiritual realities of, no, I'm not going to allow my joy to be silenced or taken away. Uh, the enemy, that's what he wants to do is to isolate us. And that's exactly right. The Bible tells us that forsake not the assembling of thyselves as so often do, uh, but encourage one another and, 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 ch- and cheer each other on unto love and good works. So you're exactly right. The effects of the enemy is to choke us off, to separate us, and to keep us isolated uh, from the body and then to, and to kill the testimony or kill the joy of who he is to us, even in the midst of negative situations, because we're not talking about about with the flu here. We're not talking about a little headache on the weekend. We're talking about 
cancer. Yes. And so you, you work through all of those dynamics. Uh, what type of, uh, and again, we don't have to be very specific at all, very general. And, uh, uh, you know, what type of uh, treatment did you undertake for your, your cancer? Because, again, I would imagine, mm-hmm. along with your mm-hmm. prayers of faith and trusting and believing God, you also had to do some medical treatment somewhere along the line. Oh, my goodness, yes. Uh, immediately it was surgery, and I had to have a bowel resection. And um, so it was two and a half feet had to be taken out because uh, this little thing that we couldn't find with anything was seven inches round, three inches thick, and then grown in two and a half feet of my intestines. Can you imagine? Wow. And uh, so from there, um, I had to, uh, once I healed, I had to have chemotherapy. And so I've gone through chemotherapy, another bout, again, where I had to have another resection. I've had taken as much as I can take out without having um, uh, issues. Right. Uh, it's amazing with so many feet of your intestines. And then um, another bout, I had it in my spine. And once it jumped into the spine, then it's now stage four. So having to deal with that. So radiation, I'd have a full bouts of radiation. So I've lost my hair a couple times. And I've also had gone through the, that. And, and, and I have to punctuate and say, I've also been in positions where, um, and I can tell you this story. Um, Maybe your listeners would love to hear, because again, going back to that day, I did ask God one thing that night before when I was diagnosed, and I did pray and asked him, my little six-year-old daughter, Mm. I asked him if I could live long enough. Um, to see her in a wedding dress, wow. and you and I know I'm making some of your folks cry yeah. because it's when you look at your children and look at your future, and and I, I wasn't I did not even realize that that was so probably so far from a likelihood, okay. be given a five year life expectancy, but God, yeah, yeah, but God, <laughs> but God. So here my daughter in college and gets engaged. And I, we are just over the moon and the kindness of the Lord to let me see this day. Yeah. And uh, a month later, uh, my doctor calling me, my oncologist, and saying that Peg, it's back and it's with a vengeance. It has now become very aggressive. And it is these lymph nodes with feelers and friends. I mean, it's, it's just phew, sp- spiraled out like a spider web. And um, it's time. Uh, your last, my last thing in my back pocket was stem cell transplant. Okay. So now it was time and we need to do it immediately. Okay. Well, I had five months to go to for it before that wedding. So I took a deep breath and I said, listen, um, I, um, I have prayed for you and I'm going to do, what I, I believe that God's going to give you wisdom and I'll do what you tell me because I want to protect my future in my, gr- myself and my grandchildren's future who I don't even have any yet. Yeah. But, but okay. What I need to know is, can I wait five months? And I told him my story about that prayer. <laughs> and he says, you're killing me. <laughs> he says, I just, and he hemmed and he hummed. And, he, and then finally he just says, this is a risk, a risk I wouldn't put my own daughter through. And this through. is your doctor. This talking. is my doctor. He says, but I'm going to say yes. I think you can wait, but I want you in that hospital the day after the wedding. And so I told my daughter, we are not going to let this be this sad da- backdrop to your wedding. This is going to heighten our joy. And it was a great a joy. But so two weeks later, just as he said, I came in with new PET scans, pre-opt already in that hospital ready because I knew after the wedding into the hospital the next day. So when he walked into, my, um, into the doctor's office that two-week checkup before the wedding, imagine my surprise when he looked at me and he said, um, Peggy. You know, those little lymph nodes and those feelers and all those things that were happening. Well, the little, I think they've shrunk and then the feelers are shrunk and the lymph nodes, well, they're what we call microscopic and we just can't treat that. So you don't 
just go on and have a wonderful wedding, but you have a wonderful life. And that was 12 years ago. Unheard of. My doctors don't know what to say about it. So while I have had bouts within this five times where things went sadly wrong. Um, I've had to be in isolation. I've had to give myself steroid shots two today for nine months. I've had multiple experiences. But can I tell you that God met me in each place, but he also did the miraculous. And I have really learned that this thing answers to him. It answers to him. And he is sovereign. And um, and God will meet you there. And he will be what you need. And he will give you what you need in that place. You've been listening today to Peggy Rupel telling us about her cancer journey and what a journey it has been. Uh, Peggy stated that the Lord met her exactly where she was, and we hear that over and over again on this show. Peggy, uh, in about 60 seconds, please tell us in your own words, what is the one thing that gives you hope? I'm going to pull out a scripture here, and there's, of course, the smiles of my grandbabies, because <laughs> now I have seven. Wow. Isn't God good? Hey, God is good. God is good. But um, there's uh, one thing that has been, I would say, the gift, if you can say, of cancer in my life is that it has made me more intentional. Because mm. we just don't know how many days we have. That's right. And, uh, and sometimes have it, living with that life-threatening illness, you don't know. Um, but I love... Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not on the things which are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And I love that our God is busy in the unseen. He wastes nothing. And that gives me hope that there are purposes like I'm getting to talk to all the people who listen to you right now. He has brought purpose to my pain. Yes. And, and that is, uh, I find it's first intimate first, yes. and then when he fills your well and it goes overflowing, it gets to spill out to others. Yes. But God is so into the intimate, and those others will come in time. But for right now, he will meet each one listening right where they're at and give you what you need for your road and being able to sustain you, fill you, and give you hope. And I, my prayer for you is that your joy, that nothing would steal your joy, mm. and the truth that you are loved. He will never leave you or forsake you. And there is purpose. You will see it. Today, you have just heard from five-time cancer survivor, five times, folks, Peggy Rupel, who has given us her story today. And we salute you today, my dear. And you are absolutely right. Uh, There has been purpose in your pain. And today, one of those purposes, because I'm sure it's not the only one, has been to speak to this audience. Thank you for your story. Thank you for your testimony. And thank you for your time. God bless. God bless you as well. Thank you. Well, we've got to talk about what you and Peggy talked about here. We'll do that in just a moment, Percy. But let me remind everyone that caring for people living with cancer is a growing need in every church today. And to address the issue, we have developed the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network to equip and empower every Christian leader to better meet this great need. If you are a pastor or a leader in your church or congregation, we want to invite you to join our growing family of informed ministry leaders in the Our Journey of Hope Ministry Leaders Network. It's free to join. When you sign up, you'll receive online access to exclusive leaders' resources, information about ministry training opportunities, and our informative monthly email newsletter. Signing up is easy. Go to healthhopeandinspiration.com, click on the Our Journey of Hope logo at the top of the page, and right there, join the Ministry Leaders Network today. 
Peggy Rupel was hmm. our guest. What a woman of faith. Well, she was a firecracker, and I say that with, with great respect. Uh, the energy and intensity from her from the very get-go was um, one of, as, as the old folks used to say growing up, the Holy Ghost fire was burning <laughs> inside of this lady. You know what was so powerful about Peggy's testimony is that she's a five-time cancer survivor and thriver. She has gone through many highs and lows, and of course, she talked about understanding from her vantage point that God told her not to misinterpret what he was doing by what little she could see at the moment, which I thought was a very important point. And that perspective allowed her to focus her faith around an important component that we often miss in our Christian experience, that the enemy of our soul is not really out to kill us or take our life as much as he is after our joy. Mm-hmm. Because I think really the, the reality of the matter is that, number one, the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. So that's, there's a principle for us to connect to right there. So if we allow our joy to be evaporated or eviscerated by the conditions of our circumstances, then we lose our strength and ability to function. Yeah. Secondly, it takes away the testimony of who God is. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, God created us, Wayne, to be uh, mouthpieces on his behalf and to display his glory. Well, as I often remind all of us, there's no typical case, is there? That is correct. And we shouldn't expect the same results, but we cannot deny her story. Well, again, the power of this platform is the ability to allow people to to share their truth and what that means to them and how that was unpacked on their behalf. In this particular situation, again, a five-time cancer survivor, uh, you asked me earlier, is that typical? Is that normal? Not necessarily, Wayne. I can't say that I've seen that very often and frequently, but what we can say is, Here is an example of one who has done that. And so we speak uh, and we allow that message to simply speak to others that whether it's a two-time scenario or a three-time scenario or a one-time scenario, the principle is the same. That, again, uh, allowing uh, the joy of the Lord to be our strength and not allowing ourselves, as Peggy reminded us, to get choked on the why me. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't allow that to get digested into her being. And she did admit that... Every bout, there was a there was a pill that she had to swallow that right. she had to she had to work through each bout, but she didn't allow it to stop her or choke the joy of the Lord out of her. What a fighting spirit this lady has! Um, she mentioned stage four. Most of our listeners understand the stages of cancer, yep. but stage four, I mean, that's that's very serious. It is serious. It's significant, and and it certainly uh, demands uh, one paying attention and being significantly concerned about that. But again, what she was able to do and had had has been able to do. She talked about uh, asking the Lord, wanting to see her her daughter and her children grow up. Wasn't that remarkable? Yeah, and now and to see grandchildren. And she's been able to do that on five separate occasions of, of a diagnosis of cancer. But again, her formula for her process and her walk was staying true to who God was in her and allowing the joy of that truth, not the joy of her circumstances, because obviously there were times there that there was nothing to be joyful about. But the joy comes from the the reality of tying into the fact that God loves me, God cares for me, God has me. She allowed that spiritual connection, that closeness, we've talked about this on other shows, to create a peace and a joy that fueled her energy to keep Hmm. pushing and moving forward. Speak to that person who's listening to this and saying, well, I want to get there. I'm just not there yet. Sure. And and the reality is that that path 
and that getting there is different for everyone. So you you stated it on the onset. This is not a cookie cutter formula. I am not here to declare uh, the Arthur Murray dance steps to faith and joy and and hope and health. Uh, There's no formula. Yeah, and and anyone that does that, I would suggest to you to reconsider that it is not taking into account, number one, the uniqueness of who God is with the uniqueness of you and your situation. But what we will say and what I'm prepared to answer and respond to is that potentially— Uh, uh, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. The concept and the conversation is, when is morning coming? Morning is not necessarily the next day or the day after, but there can be potentially a better day in terms of what one can then focus on and work through and channel through. And it's one of the reasons why, as you know, my tagline at the end of every show is, we've got to keep chopping the wood. Mm -hmm. It's a metaphor for keep at the work of the day. Keep at it. Because we have to keep kind of whittling and 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 uh, uh, trying to reduce that dynamic one step at a time. Yeah, right. You know, there was a TV show back in the early 1970s called The Beverly Hillbillies, mm-hmm. and you may remember that, oh, Wayne. Yeah. And I'm kind of dating myself here a little <laughs> bit. But one of the main characters of that show was Jed Clampett, you know, Uncle Jed. Mm-hmm. And he often sat in front of the mansion at the end of each episode and he was always doing the same thing after tremendous uh, confusion and conflict that was going on with the family and so on and so forth. At the end of each show, he would pull out his pocket knife and he would have a piece of wood in his hand and he would simply be sitting there whittling as to say that in the midst of all that was going on, I'm going to settle down and just take this one piece at a time. Yes. Uh, the show was about confusion and chaos, Granny and Jethro and all of the craziness that was going on in the day. And at the end of each show, he's sitting there going, whoo, doggy <laughs> whittling cutting one piece at a time removing one piece at a time keep chopping the wood oh that is really good well cancer treatment centers of america is a comprehensive cancer care network that takes an integrative approach to cancer care they use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support along with pastoral care pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored for each patient's specific needs. Visit our website at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Click on Sponsor to learn more about Cancer Treatment Centers of America. Or here's a phone number you can call with questions, 866-712-HOPE, 866-712-HOPE. Cancer Treatment Centers of America uses state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine, personalized care, and spiritual support. Learn more at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Let me return to the question we're putting in front of our listeners this week, Percy. The question is, what was something you learned during your cancer journey? Every cancer patient, or fundamentally most cancer patients that I've ever spoken to, have expressed that they learned something. There was an aha moment. There was something that they took away from their experience. We'd like to hear from someone uh, who, who follows the show What did you learn from your experience and your journey? Share that with us. Uh, You can feel free to share that at uh, healthhopeandinspiration.com. And we'd love to hear that. And we'll share some of those thoughts on some of our next shows so that uh, we can continue to generate that thought and possibly even uh, provide inspiration and motivation for others to understand that there can be things that one can learn and glean 
from a cancer journey and experience that can be productive and can move you forward as you grow and develop in the faith of God. Let's strengthen each other's faith by answering that question, and we'll share it with uh, with you as time goes along here. So go to healthhopeandinspiration.com, answer the question, what was something you learned during your cancer journey? Mm. And while you're there, take advantage of this uh, free resource, Cancer Ministry Scriptures, a great little guide to the scriptures that speaks specifically to the situation you may find yourself in. So Cancer Ministry Scriptures available as a free resource at healthhopeandinspiration.com. Yes. Inspiration always comes from Scripture, and you you read uh, a verse earlier today. I want you to return to now. Well, it's actually a verse of Scripture that Peggy quoted in in the interview. Oh, yes, she did her, yeah. herself. But it, it speaks to the the key philosophical point that she was trying to make, and that hopefully we all can gravitate toward. And that is First Corinthians thirteen, uh, verse twelve. Our spiritual nugget: For we now, for we now see only a reflection. That doesn't mean that going forward that that won't change. Uh, as in a mirror, then we sh- then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then shall I know fully, even as I am fully known. Peggy made the statement. I want to requote it again. She said that the Lord told her, "Don't misinterpret what I am doing by what little you see now." So, again, bear in mind that what you may be seeing now is not what is fully to be seen or understood at another point in time. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight, because we take it one day, one step at a time. Remember Uncle Jed at the end of the TV show of Beverly Hillbillies. For the audience that's too young to know, Google search this, and so you can get this analogy. Sit at the end of the day and take your pocket knife out and keep whittling at your scenario so that you can say metaphorically, woo, doggy, because God is good and he is good all the time. Keep chopping the wood. Now, let me tell you about a man named Jed. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, great Gracie, show. Thank you again, and thank you all for listening to Health, Hope, and Inspiration. Health, Hope, and Inspiration is produced and sponsored by Cancer Treatment Centers of America. If you or someone you love is fighting cancer, consider Cancer Treatment Centers of America. We treat the whole person, body, mind, and spirit. Our hospitals in Atlanta, Chicago, Philadelphia, Phoenix, and Tulsa take an integrative approach to cancer care. We use conventional medical treatments to attack the disease while helping patients manage side effects and maintain their quality of life by using evidence-informed therapies like nutrition and naturopathic support, along with pastoral care, pain management, and other supportive care services. Treatments are tailored to each patient's specific needs. Visit healthhopeandinspiration.com to view our cancer-related resources or to contact our oncology information specialists about questions you may have about your treatment options. Working together under one roof, our cancer experts use state-of-the-art technologies to deliver precision medicine